motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. A to the motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. A to the motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. So, shall we move on to our unique segment of the week, Carl? I think we should. Cool. So, um, as um, as we stated last week, in parallel to the um, most overrated wrestlers of all time, which surprisingly, as not that anyone cares, but as far as social media goes, we haven't had a lot of resistance from the overrated uh, post. What we mm. got a lot of um, debate on was the um, worst champs, interestingly. I, yeah, I thought we'd probably get a similar response to the um, to the overrated, especially because one of them I listed was Hulk Hogan. Um, <laughs> I noticed no one really challenged that, really. <laughs> yeah, funny that. So um, mm. surprisingly, when we when we mentioned these people who were overrated, most of you just went, yeah, they fucking are. Um, so that's good. I like that. So let's see if it works for the underrated. Eh? So I, I'll kick off if I could, Cal. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm going to kick off with Dustin Rhodes or Gold Dust. Yeah. Now, I don't, um, unfortunately, I can't sit here and go, oh, do you remember this match? Do you remember that match? I'm more talking in general with Goldust because if you think about it, he is a man who's clearly very talented. You know, he's got the skills in the ring. He knows how to put a character across. Like, really speaking, Goldust as a character should not work. You know, hmm. it, it's, it's like really kind of off footing, but in like, a really intriguing way. Like, even back in the day when they set it up and it was like, it was so freaky, but like, intriguing you can understand how he managed to get that over but um the weird thing with i I don't know if you'll agree with this or not but i feel like he's almost like a victim of generations because Mm. like when my generation were into really into wrestling he was sort of the the sideshow in the mid card as it were yeah and then you know his younger brother or half brother cody comes along and he's the future of the business and i feel like he's the gold dust is underrated because he's a he's genuinely really good wrestler if you put on look at some of the fantastic matches he's put on with aew never mind wwe and you can see that but i feel like he's never managed to be like that top tier and now he's sort of the you know he's he's on the the other side of it now he's on the uh Heading towards retirement, let's say. And um, mm-hmm. it's all about Cody, and Cody's the future of the biz, and he's going to be the top tier. Um, so for me, I'm just looking at like, uh, and he's had a great career. I'm not trying to put it down, but I feel like he's never, like, he's never been in the main event scene with WWE, as far as I recall, mm-hmm. unless you want to correct me on that, Carl. Um, yeah. He's always been that sort of mid card guy, but what a mid card guy. He's a fantastic wrestler. He's always put on oh, good gotcha. matches. You know, he's always been an intriguing character. And um, I think he deserves to be, because he, he's, he's such a, fantastic worker that he's he's helped propel a lot of people and you know i don't think there's any denying that and for that reason he is my first one uh, as an underrated wrestler i think it's he's a great pick i think you hit the nail on the head when you said he's kind of a victim of the times really because when you think about it he he had his big standout in the attitude era and it was the early attitude era it was at a point where wwe still had crazy gimmicks and characters but was starting to transition into the kind of real life you know attitudes of of people and like the you know fuck the fuck the man and that kind of thing like the austin and mcmahon stuff for example Mm. but goldust was he was just so good early on because he was just this bizarro kind of hyper sexualized kind of character that was like oh god who is this guy and he had some phenomenal feuds he had a a really good feud with piper which was the kind of the hollywood backlot brawl that he had he had a fantastic feud with triple h um it was really really good as well um and yeah it's such a shame really i feel like he 
he absolutely could have been like a main event guy. Um, but he was just a victim of those times. Like if if the kind of ninety seven, ninety eight would have carried on a little bit more, then I could definitely could have seen him making a rise to the main event scene. But it was around the kind of towards the end of ninety seven, ninety eight when he kind of really went the other way with the kind of more realistic, I guess. I think, I think and it, it was funny. It was around um, late nineties, early two thousands. I want to say that he ultimately left WWE as well. Um, yeah, you know, he's um, he had some very personal demons of his own that he had to kind of figure out. He was very, um, yeah, he had he had some really poor times there. I think um, some hard times for him. But I thought he was yeah, I mean, a pun from his dad. But no, you could argue like had it not been for maybe those personal demons and and had he have stuck with WWE, he might have saw that rise. I mean, we've seen it with the likes of. Um, uh, Jim Christian and the like, where they, mm. they had that time served and then they propelled into that main event scene. Maybe we could have seen something like that with him. I don't know, but he, he yeah. for me, he's always felt like a victim of of time and circumstance. Because like before you know it, Cody's there. He's getting the the rub mm. from the likes of Triple H and all that. Now he's like, well, one of the big head figures in AEW, and they love each other. You know, the, I'm not trying to push an animosity between them, but you know, he, he is like Cody's the future of the biz now, isn't he? Really, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. It almost feels like a missed opportunity for Dustin. Yeah, and it's a shame because when he did finally come back, he was um, he was the comedy character then. So it, like the, yeah. the whole kind of thing that made him unique and the kind of like mystique and the the scary kind of horribleness to him was kind of gone. And he was just more yeah, like, like it's him funny and actually, like, which funny how before. much of a change that made because yeah. You, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like he wasn't like freaky or scary anymore he was just no. a, a total goofball like it almost our truth levels of of comedy like yeah. and it's like what what happened there like well i mean i mean they were even attacking him at one point weren't they the golden truth so of course yeah that, that, that's yeah that's a prime <laughs> example of truth levels. yeah <laughs> okay well i think that was a, a fantastic first entry mine my first one on the list it probably won't come as a surprise to anyone but um, I think yeah, it's, it's I can road, see the notes, um, guys. Quite, You're not going to be shocked. <laughs> it's a road quite well travelled <laughs> on this show, but um, I say it quite often. Is a uh, obviously the the Swiss Superman that is Cesaro. You know, no no bones about it. I'm a huge Cesaro mark. I just think it's absolutely tragic that he hasn't gone on to be a megastar. Like he's got the size, he's got the look. You know, that in itself has has made like superstar careers, but. He's got the in-ring work to go with it as well. Like he's literally almost a complete package, just his mic work. But that aside, like we've seen it with so many people, and I say it so often, and I sound like a broken record. Just give him a, a mouthpiece, give him an advocate, give him somebody. Um, just oh, yeah. to like that's, help that's him shine. I think you know there, there was a point there where he had like his little tuxedo and he was like the Swiss James Bond and stuff, and mm. that even that felt a bit too hokey. Do you know what I mean? Like he doesn't need any of that shit. He is. You know, he lets his in-ring work do the talking for him. So just yeah. have that well, be look his, at, his character. It's not quite the same example, but they could book him similar to Carrion, where yeah. he's just he's built, he's intimidating, and he doesn't need to say a lot, and he's got an advocate speaking for him. That's all. You know, that mm-hmm. that would work. Oh, they God, could yeah. they could have done a very similar booking. Obviously, we're getting that with Carrion now, so now it'd just be like copying. But that that to me straight away is something they could have done with it. They could have. I'm not saying put Paul Heyman with everyone, but you know, put Paul Heyman with him. Okay, why not? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, there's no reason why not. Imagine a, a Brock Lesnar versus Cesaro match if, if Paul Heyman got Cesaro over for like the next year and Brock oh, yeah. finally comes back and it's like almost like a passing of the torch to a degree where Brock finally hangs it up and Cesaro's the guy now. Like, there's so yeah. many things you could have done with that. That's the thing, yeah. 
It's um, it is a, a totally agree with you. It's a crying shame. He's been grinding away in WWE for a number of years. I can only even know how long he's been there, but it, it feels like easily well over a decade now. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, there, it's you know, he was a tag team champion with Tyson Kidd. He was a tag team champion with Sheamus. He's a tag champ now with uh, Shinsuke. So, I mean, I'm a bit worried for Shinsuke. I'm a bit worried for Shinsuke now, looking at his previous tag team partners. <laughs> they all seem to good. suffer some sort of injury. Yeah, mm. maybe it's him. Maybe that's his gimmick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I just think um, it's it's just a crying shame. I think I, I know a lot of the guys over at AEW said like if they could bring Cesaro in, like he'd be a megastar for them. So it's just. I just feel like sometimes do we just need to kick up the arse and just like just look at the talent you've got and stop just kind of pushing over people who can you know right. talk as far as you're concerned, but are nothing. I could be do. totally wrong, but I'm confident there's like a handful of people who've got their mates, and I think that's the problem. I think if you could mm. get rid of the the favoritism out of it and they just pick who they can work with and who's actually over with the crowds and stuff like that, it'd be so much better. But you can clearly see this like well, he's getting a push because clearly he's mates with someone. Because mm. like again, don't don't want to be bitter and thingy about it. I've already listed them in a previous list, but why is Bobby Lashley getting a push over Cesaro? No idea. Like I, it baffles me, and it's not an against Lashley, but like, what has he done in WWE that makes you think he deserves it? I've not really no. seen much of him, and I'm not like I'm not intrigued. Do you know what? It was interesting. I don't, I don't know. I don't think we covered it on the news just then, but um, you know, MVP just signed a, a one of those five year contracts. I think like a multi year deal. Oh, the um, uh, don't go to AEW contract. Yeah, one of those. so it's like, yeah. So, uh, you know, which is crazy, really, because why? But, um, I know, right? you know, I, f- I, feel like, I feel like that's a prime example of, like, why the likes of people like that are, g- are getting stuff. Like, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be really interested to see if they offer kind of Cesaro a contract like that, because if they don't, they don't see value in him. Get him out the door, because he could be a megastar somewhere yeah. else. It's just crazy. That's the thing. And it doesn't even have to be AEW. He'd do well in TNA. He'd do well in NWA. He's um, in Japan. He's a... F- he do well in Japan. He would do really well anyway. in Japan, you know. He yeah. could he could easily match their style quite well. I think that'd be a good shout. Not that we'd see him because we don't watch it, but uh-huh. <laughs> or not consistent. Well, I mean, it'd be the only shame. But yeah, I don't know. I just um, I just feel like he's floundering a bit. And you know, I, I said I was quite brutal with Ali before. Like you know, so I'm not gonna say the same for Cesaro. Like, is Cesaro happy? Is he just sat there and just waiting to be given something? If so, then fair dues. But you know, I'd like to think that for whatever reason, like. You know they can find something to do with them. <laughs> no, I agree. Okay, well I'm going to go to mine, Carl. Number three, number three, because I stopped doing the numbers. So number three, right? I'm I'm totally justified in this as well. I don't care what you say, Carl. Right? My number three is William Regal, right? Because not only is William Regal a fantastic wrestler, an absolute fucking technician in the ring. Not only has he got a ton of charisma, and uh, honestly, one of the more memorable heels of the early 2000s was Regal if you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. All the stuff he did with Sean O'Hare, awesome, right? Not only that, he's also trained some of the people that every you all fucking love. He's been involved mm-hmm. in training the likes of Daniel Bryan. He's been involved in training CM Punk. You know, he's been heavily involved in that side of it. He, he knows the business in and out. He's an absolute fucking legend and deserves way more recognition than he gets. And here's my example as to why I think he's underrated. Because if he made a return to the ring today, to, to Raw or SmackDown, he would not get the same pop as the likes of Undertaker or Shawn Michaels, when in actual fact he's put in well over, what, 20 years now in the business? Probably like, more, to be fair. I think yeah, I've said well over 20 just to be safe. And yeah. <laughs> like, he probably hasn't done as much as Undertaker, but <laughs> close to, right? But 
that that that's my prime example as to why he's underrated because he wouldn't get the same pop from the crowd even though he so fucking deserves it and he's fantastic on NXT he makes a great general manager not that you get to see much of him but yeah. um, Regal absolute legend and I'm not just saying that because he's a fellow Brit you know and and they say he's from Blackpool even though his accent kind of suggests he's not but anyway <laughs> my number three um... has to be Regal because you know. How can you not pick Regal? I think it's a fantastic pick. I fucking love Regal. He is he's a legend. Like he How was good is Regal there. as a heel? Oh god. I mean How, he, he's he, such a good heel. Do you remember all the stuff like back when he was even commissioner? Like the, the comedy levels of the stuff he did. Like he was a fantastic entertaining character. Um and you know, is it like in ring is in ring work? Like, to be honest, that could be the thing that, that held him back was his style. It was a very British old school chain wrestling kind of mm. shtick that he had, and maybe that was just not what WWE wanted to invest in. Like, you know, he was a fantastic European champ. I think he was an IC champ at one point as well. But yeah, God, he could have definitely gone on to be like one of the, the best heels or, you know, something in the business oh, easily, the, yeah. the way he was. But um, yeah, God, he, he's so underrated. He, he was fantastic. The stuff he did with Tajiri, the stuff he did. Oh, so like oh the, God, the, I totally flew out Tajiri for a sec there. Yeah, yeah, like all all that stuff, all the um, the European title matches and stuff like that. Like he really made that his own as well. But yeah, to again, be honest, I think he made the European title something when at a time when it, it it didn't really have a lot of recognition as well. In all yeah, fairness, agreed, agreed. I think though as well, like similar to the um to the Dustin Road shout. I think I think this might come up quite a bit in in this segment. Is you know he by all accounts had a number of demons himself, which saw him go yeah, away from he, TV for a That's a the thing, because he did disappear from TV for a good while. Then he started doing some stuff off camera. And obviously now we see him as the commissioner here and there, or is a commissioner, general manager, whatever he is of NXT mm. um, here and there. But yeah, I take your point that maybe he was um, fall a victim to that as well. And it stopped that, that, that rise as it were. Mm. Um, and I'll point it out, not to digress, but I'll point it out before, it gets pointed out either by you or someone else, Carl, that um, he didn't get along with Goldberg. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> another plus, I mean, another tick. Pretty, pretty much everybody on the planet must be fine by you then, because apparently by all accounts, everyone thinks he's a piece of shit. Um, Unless so, you yeah. watch the fucking product and then you're like, <laughs> Goldberg's awesome. Like, why? Yeah, who knows? Kids these days. Kids oh. these days. Um, okay, so the next one, number four. Um, and my second one um, of the segment, if you will, is um, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. For me, and this is a very bold statement, oh, he could have been the biggest heel all time. So now I think... I don't know DiBiase that well, but from a from a character point of view, I can kind of see where you're coming from. But for sorry, me, I don't mean he, to interrupt. Him. Uh, like for me, he was Vince McMahon before Vince McMahon was a thing. He was everything that you wanted the the babyface to rise up and fight against. He was he was a fucking millionaire, obviously, hence his name. He bought everything, like like the world was his oyster. He was a terrible human being. He used to come out and just be like do all these healy things and just embarrass people and like make the crowd just do like really you know shameful things and stuff in the hope to win like a hundred dollars or whatever it was and. He was just such a fantastic heel, and he just he just never got that main event run. Like I know um, we had him on a, a, another segment um, as like being one of the like the worst champions of all time, um, or solely for the fact that he was never really a, a proper champion. Um, you know, he's never officially recognised as being the world champ, um, and it's just such a shame. Like for me, he he is the kind of like the ultimate mega heel, isn't he? He's just someone that you would always root the baby face to kind of go and just like stand up against this fucking tyrant. And it just, just never happened. No, I take your point. He's like, 
Yeah, he's sort of the default heel, isn't he? And not in a bad way, but like, how could he ever be anything else, you know? Well, exactly. Like, he's got his little million dollar laugh and everything as well. He was just, like, he's so good. Like, I'm a, I'm a proper Ted DiBiase fan. It's just, um, yeah, it's just. It's you need so, to get yourself a million a dollar belt, Carl. <laughs> I, do you know what? Of all the belts, I think that would be one of the ones I would get. Do you know um, what? I think the internet's ruining me because the more I look on TikTok and stuff like that and I see people with their collections of belts, I'm like, I should start a belt collection. <laughs> which is the, the worst fucking thing like no offense like i'm not saying worst in that sense it must be awesome to have that collection but i'm like uh that's gonna cost so much money i know yeah and then like where do you put them all it's all all these different uh, that's the thing different i things, would not win that like. fight i would not win that argument to have them displayed on the wall <laughs> no exactly it's like oh, i'll just spend thousands of dollars on these oh cool where are they in in in, in this box that, <laughs> that i've got to hide away in the wardrobe i'm not allowed to get out <laughs> Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, like if you look at the likes of um, Sergeant Slaughter, for example, and it's no disrespect to him, but like he was the WWF champion for a period because you know he was the he went with like the whole kind of uh, Iran like storyline and had the Hogan be the American hero going against Sergeant Slaughter, who'd allied himself with them and stuff like that. And you look at these kind of things that you had going as like champions, and it's like Million Dollar Man should have definitely been there. And I feel yes. like because he was never world champ. And he just kind of got overlooked, and he ended up becoming a tag star with obviously um, Bray Wyatt's dad, um, Michael oh, Tunder, or the um, So he just kind of just when, when people look back, they just think of him as like this silly guy in like a flashy suit who was like with the the tax man. And it's like, well, like no, this guy was could have been a, a top level like main event here. No, and um, I can't. Sadly, I can't offer a great deal because it's not really my era of wrestling, but. And, you know, that being said, we all know the Million Dollar Man. You know, he, he transcends the generations in that sense. Like, you definitely, everyone's heard of him. Absolute legend in the biz. And, um, yeah, I, t- I take your point on everything you've said there. And, you know, he actually did pay me to, to talk about him because, you know, everyone's got a price for the Million Dollar Man. And um, laugh, but... that being said, Ted, <laughs> where, where's my paycheck, you fucker? <laughs> um, right. So, that being said, uh, weirdly ending it on me calling him a fucker. But there you go. Um, we'll move on to number five, Carl. I'm on. I'm on camera. There we go. But it's not Booker. It's not Booker. Um, no. Now I'm going to try and go a little bit more uh, modern than I have been on the, my last two. I'm going to mention Shelton Benjamin. And surprisingly, okay. well, I say surprisingly, I don't think it's surprising that he's on the list. But my reasoning for him being on the list is because I'm watching Raw week in, week out now, and for some reason the last few weeks Shelton's aligned himself with MVP. And I'm looking at the three of them fucking stood there, and I'm like, why is he the? Why is he like the the third tier in that fucking trio? Mm. Like this guy should have been a world champ, could still be a world champ. Is a hell of a fucking athlete. When he came into it, when he was getting his push under Kurt Angle with the world's greatest tag team with Charlie Haas, for me, and I don't know if you'll agree with it, Carl, but he was always going to be the breakout star of that tag team anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, he was going for it all, just trying to be the best. Um, anyway, sorry. It, for me, I, I don't get... But I do kind of get because he, he left again potentially a little too early. Um, but he should have always ended up in the main event scene. And even now I'm looking at it like, it's clearly going to be Lashley that they're pushing again in the main event scene. I don't know if they're going to wait a bit of time or whatever there. And you, you're putting Shelton with the 24-7 belt for some fucking reason, which no one really cares about anyway. Like... If you're going to go with your stable, right, and Lashley's going to be your big guy, right, why is Shelton going for that one? Why isn't he going for the US title? Why are we putting it on MVP or trying to? No idea. You fuck it. No That's idea. another fuck-up we'll talk about. Anyway, um, so yeah, for that reason, 
solely because I remember Shelton coming into the business. I remember him coming in as the world's greatest tag team with, with Kurt Angle as their sort of mentor. And um, I remember thinking he was a fucking hell of an athlete then. If you look at any of the like the ladder matches he's had and that sort of thing, you can you can clearly see how much of a fucking brilliant um, in-ring performer he is. But it's just a shame he's never reached that, that sort of top-tier main event scene. And for that no. reason, he's, he's my number five. Again, I think it's a really good choice. I think the only thing holding him back, similar to what we've said with a few, is his, uh, his mic work, unfortunately, because he went yeah. through that little um, that little rise, didn't he, in when he got moved to Raw. Um, and, you know, he was the IC champion. He had that amazing match with uh, Shawn Michaels. Um, he had some stuff with Triple H as well, where he beat Triple H, um, who was the champion at the time. And he kind of got a bit of momentum behind him, but then it just kind of fizzled out. And then he came back with the gold standard, um, Charlotte Benjamin, where he dyed his hair blonde, and it was like, oh, it's funny, he's gold. Um, but that didn't really take off for him either. And it was just, I don't know if, if he used a little bit too much of like the Ziggler effect, where he was so good. And I know Ziggler's kind of the Ziggler effect, more for selling than anything else. But Benjamin made his opponents look a lot better than he kind of made himself sometimes. Um, I don't know whether that was another kind of factor of why he never just kind of broke out maybe maybe yeah uh, yeah i can see where you're getting the connection to ziggler there it might be a very valid point there um and again not to harp on because it seems i do this for every entry but i think had he have maybe carried on with wwe instead of leaving like he like he did and don't me wrong rightly so at the time possibly because he wasn't being utilized very well but um again sometimes tenure gets you the opportunities and maybe he'd be world champ level by now had he have not left WWE. But you can never understand how contract <laughs> negotiations work. They, you know, you don't know what side broke down with the WWE and yeah, off your pop or what. But um, yeah. either way, crying shame. And plus, we both got to high five, I believe, at one of the uh, Damn WWE right, yeah. events. Absolute legends. I can't remember where we were, but we high five Shelton Benjamin. I don't remember where we were. It was either Newcastle or Sheffield. It was one of the I two. I feel like it might have been Newcastle. Yeah, well, yeah, it was good, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. I remember. I remember a lot about that day. <laughs> that makes a sound. That's a, that's a whole different uh, <laughs> podcast episode by the sounds of that. Yeah, confessions of a. <laughs> um, no, no, because like there was a, like this was probably for me anyway. My first time seeing a lot of uh, these people I was seeing on TV live. So you we were getting the likes of Christian and that. It was well into his heel run at the time. He refused to high five me. Still, yep. still love you, Christian, but I'll not forget. He then went in and, and he cut a promo calling us all a bunch of limey bastards. I remember he did call us limeys, yeah. I remember, was it Victoria in a Divas oh, match? Yeah. I distinctly remember that. Don't remember yeah. much about the match or who she was fighting. Remember that. But, I, I, remember, uh, I remember I got to stroke Victoria's arm once. You did. And you I did. say stroke, it was a. It's a it's a horrible term, really, because well, it's not what I intended. But I tried to reach <laughs> out and yeah, stroke the arm. It's very soft, very very soft. And um, yeah, and this is this is why we don't go to wrestling shows anymore because Carl, <laughs> Carl, Carl has a number of restraining orders. Yeah, so we we can't talk about that right now. No. <laughs> um, so swiftly moving on. Uh, <laughs> so the next one for me, which is number six, um, another Brit is Wade Barrett. Wade so, Barrett. This guy, obviously, he came up through NXT before NXT is what we know as it uh, as today. Um, I think he had was it Jericho as his mentor, Jericho I think or so. the Miz? I think it was Jericho. No, the Miz got um, Daniel Bryan, didn't he? Yeah, okay. I think it was Jericho as his mentor. So obviously that was pretty good in the first place. But he came up as like this kind of cocky, you know, Brit 
Um, and he got made a fool of a little bit um, initially, but it was kind of cool. He had the size. He was a big guy. And then the next minute, he's the fucking leader of the Nexus, and it's this fucking kick-ass faction, unlike fucking Retribution, which we'll get into. That's the thing. But, a- and, but that's the thing, like, Retribution this week, for those who have never seen the Nexus, who are only just tuning into to wrestling now for some fucking reason, Nexus did what Retribution tried to do this week, which we'll talk about. But Nexus's debut was it goes down in the history books in that sense doesn't it really it was a hell of a oh, debut yeah. hell of an impact it felt very kind of realistic or raw um of like this who the fuck are these guys you know they've they've taken over they've you know they've, they've had enough shit like what what's happening and you know wade barrett was the fucking the spearhead behind all of that he was the the leader um and it was a massive breakout moment for him and i, th- I think he did a fantastic job and then out of nowhere they fucking replaced him with cm punk which, you know, there was a time in my life where I was a big punk mark, but even that didn't make any sense to me. I was like, well, why? Why does punk now, need this? I'm a little bit hazy about these things, right? But mm. didn't he replace him with punk after John Cena went out of his way to bury every fucking member of the Nexus? Um, I mean, that sounds probably like something John Cena would do. Because yes. again, for those who are unfamiliar with it, and apologies if I've got the order wrong, but I'm confident punk came in after this. But for some reason, they thought it'd be a good booking for John Cena to beat every member of the Nexus. And I think they did it in one pay-per-view in one night for some fucking reason. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me because, like, you know, it's John Cena. He got, John, old Johnny got the golden shovel out and ruined the entire fucking faction for no reason. <laughs> then they became the new Nexus, which I believe was then headed by CM Punk for some reason. Yeah. Which again, and then why moved, did he need that? Then they moved Wade over to SmackDown where he was then, he headed up the core, which was uh, another faction. They were like, okay, so that thing you, you got over and did really well on Raw. He do like a, a do it again. Shit version over on SmackDown, which obviously no surprise. <laughs> He's like, I'm, I'm getting the same guys. Like, no, you can have um, <laughs> you can have Heath. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was shit. And then I'm not sure which order these came in, so you'll have to excuse me. But there was the the King Barrett stuff and the Bad News Barrett stuff. Now, I feel like the, the Bad Barrett News stuff was what he ended on. Yeah, honest. I think so too. So I think the King, you know, the the King Barrett stuff. It's you know, it's that gimmick that can either make or break you, can't it? And it was, it was, he did a good you know job. You he did the best that? he like, could. Has anyone ever been made by the King thing? Anyone um, ever? It feels like a death sentence. Corbin's not putting it across. I honestly can't think of one decent King in wrestling, bar Lawler. And I don't think his came from King of the Ring. No, no, it's an excellent point, really. Um, I feel like the one we probably did the best with it was uh, King Booker. <laughs> Cause, Possibly, um, yeah. I feel, I feel like, like he, he was quite good. I feel like the only time King of the Rings worked is when they win and then they don't make a big fucking deal about being king. Oh, God, yeah. Like imagine, Aust- imagine, Austin imagine, Austin. <laughs> imagine King Austin. Like, that would have just been horrendous. But oh, they didn't God, lean yeah. into that. Like, and I get it. You need something. Like, Corbin needed something and they needed to do something with Barrett. But I've never seen a successful um, King no. run. No, even, like you say, Booker's was probably the most entertaining, but not even the best of Booker, really. Well, that's it. It harms so many more people than it actually helps. And I feel like, unfortunately, in this instance, um, you know, it, it harmed Wade um, to the point where he just kind of did nothing with it. But then he kind of came back with bad news at Barrett, which is entertaining. I thought it was really, really good. And it, I, think I felt like he was... He needs a lot of credit for how much he managed to get that over for something that was so kind of stupid. Yeah. It was, I mean, it, it was just... It was, he was so good at it, wasn't it? I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Everyone was like <laughs> playing along and stuff. So for me, he was over at that point and then they just dropped the ball in of, again. I know they're not related, but the way he managed to get bad news, bad, it's over. 
almost reminds me of um, Damien Sandow getting the getting over the um, the Mizdow thing. Yeah, like because like that shouldn't have worked on paper, but he managed to get somewhere with it. And it seems a similar thing with Barrett. Like I, I don't know how he did it, but like like you say, the, the charisma alone sold that because it should exactly. have worked. You know, he definitely, he definitely had the charisma. That's why it's such like a travesty, really, because. You know, he had the charisma, he had the size, he had the build, he had decent enough um, in ring work. Like, he wasn't a bad wrestler by any stretch. You know, there was rumours at one point he was going to be the guy that ended the Undertaker streak. So, you know what I mean? How do you go from that to kind of what his career ultimately ended up being WWE? So, mm. yeah, I just think it's a massive, a massive shame and it's a massive waste of talent again from WWE. Like, because he could have... Like, imagine if he was the guy to end Taker's streak, he just would have been the biggest heel in the business, wouldn't he? So That's the um, thing. And it's funny because we're getting rumours now that he's going to pop back up. And, um, like, people are still trying to suggest that, like, Retribution's going to be headed by a former Nexus member and stuff. I don't think we'll ever see Wade Barrett back in WWE. Not anytime soon, anyway. But, um, no. you know, he's still loved, in a way, as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, I mean, definitely I, I, could I, come back and be something huge if he wanted to. Or if WWE I, wanted him to. I believe he's contracted to NWA at the minute and, and oh, some yeah. sort of, like, announcing capability. Genuinely, um, the last time I saw Wade Barrett was when he was the general manager of Defiant, but when Defiant was a thing. Like, they've right. since closed shop. NXT UK yeah. come along and fuck them over. Um, but, yeah, that's the last time I remember seeing him. Yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a massive shame, I think. So, yeah, I, I feel like he deserves a place on this list because he could have gone on to be, to be something, like, awesome, but just didn't happen. I agree. So, number seven, Carl. Number seven. Hang on, that's backwards. Number seven. Uh, I still did it wrong. Whatever. Uh, right. So my number seven, Carl, is Lance Storm. Okay. Now I'm trying. I'm trying to be clever here because, like, um, I'm trying to pick things that weren't necessarily my era, right? But the reason I want to pick Lance Storm is because he is. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's a fantastic wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, the Lance I remember was getting done over by WWE, really storyline-wise. Because he was he was never great on the mic, but he was he was getting better. And then they saddled him with um I, I've correct me if I'm wrong, but they saddled him with the whole sort of boring thing. Um yeah. and I think that was kind of a ruiner as far as his character goes. And probably the last time he was really prevalent on TV, in all fairness. Um mm-hmm. but you can't get away from the fact that like if you look at his pre WWE stuff, the stuff he was doing with like the likes of Chris Jericho and that on the independent scene or the Japan scene and that sort of thing. He's a hell of a wrestler. And um mm-hmm. he's got a lot of uh, presence about him in the ring really. And I think he could have got somewhere as far as, as Mike skills go. I can't I can't sit here and lie to you and say he was great on the mic. He wasn't. But he had the potential to be. And I feel like he was a victim of WWE's ridiculous bookings in all honesty. And then he kind of faded into obscurity. So I think he deserves a spot on the list because I think there was something there that was never utilised. Yeah, I don't think anyone can question his um, his in-ring work. He was one of the best kind of technical wrestlers like ever, really. Um, you know, f- from all the stuff that he, he learned in Japan and, and on the kind of in Mexico and other places like that. And you know, he, he was a, he was a fantastic performer. I think when he came to WWE, for example, that's when it was just a. Typical, they didn't know what to do with him. Um, they obviously had him because he was Canadian in the kind of Canadian faction at one point. Mm. Um, so sure was it like, on Americans? Was that what they were on Americans? Yeah, so obviously he was part of that um, at one point. Then there was also the the bit where it was like, I think this was before they buried him with the boring thing. It was kind of like he'd come out and be like, if I could be serious for a minute, and everyone would like boo him. This is the thing that always upset me with Lance because like they were pushing the boring gimmick 
down to his mic skills, but he was not actually that boring in the ring. He was actually quite good in the ring. Like the, he'd put on mm. a great match with people. Um, I mean, Jericho obviously would definitely put on a great match with them. They've had a lot of chemistry and a long, long friendship. But um, yeah, like for me, it's easy to to build the audience around something, and they got behind this boring gimmick, but to the detriment of Lance, because then it's like they're, they're also they convinced that he's boring, and it's like I don't know. He, he almost sold it too well, I suppose, in that sense. But uh, mm. not the best gimmick at all. And as you know, and as we've mentioned many a time, we, we have a bit of a pet peeve with the whole, you're not from America, so let's use that as a gimmick. But we've seen yeah. it done way too many times, way too many times. This is probably one of the earlier ones, but even so, on Americans, what the fuck was it? Yeah, I mean, there was even that one point where they had an American be part of the un-American fucking course, thing that yeah, Rob, yeah. Rob Conway didn't he was a part of La, Resi- La Resistance, whatever they were called at one point. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Obviously. They were French, weren't they? Wasn't he? Um... Yeah, the French guys. Yeah. Sylvain Grenier, René Dupree, and um, Rob Conway, wasn't it? How much does Rob yeah. Conway? <laughs> Sorry, oh, well. that was a dad joke, but in all fairness, I'm a dad, so. <laughs> He's allowed. Well, allowed. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, definitely. I think um, he's a good one to have on the list because just from his ability alone, um, you know, we could have gone a long way, which is similar to the next I one like... I have. Which I come. Oh, go on. No, I was going to say, I feel like there was a, like a little bit of a tipping point with WWE around the time for Lance as well, where it was almost oversaturated because this was a, not necessarily at invasion points, but it was obviously when they were getting a lot of WCW stars. And I think they might have had a little bit too many people to work with, almost what the victim of these days, in all fairness. But um, I mean, that was the, ultimately the reason that they started doing brand splits and the like, because people weren't getting TV time. But I feel like he might have fallen victim to the fact that there was just too many talents there as well. Yeah, definitely. It got so kind of, they just got everyone who they could from WCW at the time, didn't they? And a lot of them just didn't have anything going for them, unfortunately. Um, so it's a shame. But definitely no one can kind of besmirch his, um, his in-ring capabilities and those alone kind of, he was so underrated in that regard. So sorry, I kind of I kind of um, interrupted your, your next one. So Carl, number eight. Number eight, similar to Lance Storm in terms of um, in-ring capability is why I feel um, this guy should be on here, is the Dynamite Kid. So, obviously, another Brit. <laughs> we're not biased, I promise. <laughs> um, but, this so list is 80% British, but we're not biased. <laughs> but for me, um, Dynamite Kid was, you know, pound for pound, the best wrestler in the world. Um, you know, he was really he was really on the short side. I think he was like 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, um, you know, there's no d- denying it. He was a massive steadhead along with um, Davey Boy Smith. So he was built like a brick shithouse, but he was just so short. Um, and it gives people time, like us hope. <laughs> well, exactly. Um, <laughs> but it was at this time, that's when um, the WWE, WWF at the time, was very big on like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, massive, huge kind of Andre versus Hulk Hogan, that kind of thing. Mm. So no matter how good a wrestler Tom Billington was, he just couldn't break in. Like he was always a tag team guy you know he was over at stampede with davy boy um, as the british bulldogs um they got brought in along with the Hart foundation and it was just tag team tag team and he never got the opportunity to make um you know a singles run out of it whereas davy not massive himself in terms of height i think he was like 5 10 5 11 something like that he was only short by wf standards but they actually did take a bit of a punt with him and i know that that kind of really irked um dynamite kid because you know, he, by all accounts, and, you know, I mean, there's no denying it, really. He was the best wrestler. He was one of the best wrestlers in the world in Japan. Mm. He fucking loved him, but he wanted to make it in the, the kind of, he wanted the fame. He wanted to be on the on That's the, the thing, like, WWE is the 
show whether people want to admit it or not like you can love yeah. as many others as you want people usually aspire to wwe in the wrestling industry well, that was it you know this was at a time where the wwf had just bought all the other territories there was no way to go you know, <laughs> there's no there's stamp- no way left <laughs> exactly like like stampede had gone like all the all the fucking competition bar wcw and um, which wasn't even a big thing that yet at that point um was gone so um you know dynamite wanted to make it on the big stage and unfortunately it just never happened for him and you know it's such a shame because he like he was phenomenal and as like a worker like if you go and look at like I think there's a, a match from Japan um I can't remember who he was facing but it was like one of the greatest matches ever and I remember watching it and you're just blown away by you know especially for that year as well the stuff that they were doing um just didn't happen back then um and yeah it's just like such a massive shame I think he ended up getting you know quite a bit of depression um and then he, he ended up having like couple of strokes and stuff and he was like confined to a wheelchair for like most of his life and he was like because he didn't really make that much money in wrestling despite how good he was and because of the style he did with you know he he ended up just becoming like a big kind of like a like a paraplegic and he was poor and you know he moved back to england and he was from like manchester um, way like i think he was actually from wigan to be fair um yeah he was really really local um to us and yeah unfortunately he just kind of um just faded into into darkness really and unfortunately passed away kind of two years ago but yeah. you know if, if you ever get the chance you ever want to see a really good old school kind of um you know what wrestling could have been like back in the day for example like you've got to go and check out dynamite kid because he was just he was fantastic he was the inspiration for the likes of jericho for the likes of chris benoit for eddie and uh, for lance storm do you know what i mean this was the guy who was a massive kind of trendsetter and, and really kind of hit home that you know that hard fast fucking technical aspect kind of wrestling with a bit of high flying to boot so yeah definitely belongs in there i think horribly tragic one as well isn't it to be fair like yeah um i'm intrigued you know what because i didn't know a great deal about him um i'm hoping there's some sort of like biography or something i can read because uh sounds like a fascinating fella as far as career goes as well yeah definitely uh, there's a couple of documentaries i think on youtube knocking about um, i'm not sure we've got a, a bi- uh, autobiography or anything like that but a documentary um, will do yeah no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he's got a biography or whatever, I definitely want to read it myself. So um, <laughs> I'll, I'll lend it to you. So we'll go into number nine, then have a good call. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, I really need to get used to the cameras being flipped. It's it's throwing me off. Something's shocking. Anyway, so I'm going to need your help with this one, Carl. And the reason I wanted to list it is because you blew my mind with this little fact um, a few months ago, I think it was. So I'm picking Jake the Snake Roberts, and I'm picking mm-hmm. him purely down to the fact that obviously he was a fantastic wrestler. His mic skills were unparalleled. We've seen him do some fucking awesome promos for AEW. Um, but it was the fact that you gave me that he had never won the world championship or a world championship with WWE oh. in his run with WWF, should I say, WWF at the time. Um, he'd never never achieved the big the, the big belt, the top gold. Um and that blew my mind because you just assume he did. Like I I I was utterly convinced that that was the case. Like he obviously he obviously did, but he didn't. And um for that reason I'm like surely he's underrated them because he was one of well one of, he was genuinely I think probably I'm gonna have to say one of because there were some fantastic uh, wrestlers out there but he was one of the best heels in the biz and um and you it you can see now he still cuts a great promo he's a bit more um drawn out I suppose you know he's had his demons he's come back from a lot but um even so he can still cut a fucking brilliant promo um and in all fairness the slight interest I had in the murder hawk monster came from him so yeah um i think 
so not only had he never won the main title, he's never won any title. Really? He's he's never he wasn't an IC ta- he wasn't an IC champ. He was he's nothing, not even a tag team champion. He's Fuck never ever had a belt. All Jakey no belts. Jesus. I know. Jakey no belts. Just just his snake. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, um, that's a that's a that's a T shirt waiting to happen, Carl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's shocking. That like how is that how? Like yeah. see, that's even worse. I thought it was just world champion. Like he's literally never won a belt. Nope. Never not won with WWF belt. anyway. That's no, crazy. I mean, well, yeah, no, not not with anyone really. I think he might have won one down at um, Stampede, like when he was really, really young. But you know, <laughs> the he only never one won he's got on his with... wall right now. <laughs> well, exactly, one, he never won anything with um, with anyone. Do you know what I mean? So it's a it's a shame, really, when you think about it, um, considering his kind of story, career, and, and the character crazy. work that he'd done. Totally crazy, and um, that that's my main reason. Like, how has he not achieved those sort of levels? Those yeah, championships, I mean, like, those accolades. How has that not happened? Like the, there was a couple of feuds there, like the one he had with um with Macho Man Savage, for example. Like that could have so been for the heavyweight title. Do you know what I mean? He was just such a byproduct of the Hogan era, where Hogan was such a mark for himself that no one ever got the fucking chance to win the main belt. Really, yeah. While he was I'm, I'm confident if he could have done Hogan versus Hogan, he would have. Oh yeah, and you know, <laughs> he would have ended up some way to make both Hogans win because no Hogan loses. Uh, um, I think that match would still be going on now. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's Nick uh, and hulking up one after the other. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Like they're both just unbeatable, aren't they, from each other? So, <laughs> yeah, no, I think it, that's an excellent choice. You know, he he's always kind of gone down as like oh, great promo and stuff like that. But he was no slouch in the ring, and his style was. Um, oh, he was. I mean, I think he actually outshined himself, and his his mic skills were better than his ring skills. But that's not to say his mm. ring skills were bad. But um, no, no, you definitely remember him more for his promo work. That's it. And, you know, at the time as well, like, his finish, you know, just um, a DDT, which is now used as, like, fucking a standard move. Like, that was devastating back in the day. It was very well protected, and it was, like, yeah, you know, a really strong finish. But um, he had a lot going for him in that, in that regard as well. But it just, I don't know, it just never never paid off for him. I suppose you can kind of say on the one on the one part, I know we've spoken about the likes of... Um, Moxley and things like that today like does he really need a belt like is that what he's about but you know you can kind of say something similar about Jake to a degree but let's yeah. be honest whoever you are if you're in the if you're in the business you want to be the champ don't you so it's that's the thing like yeah. we're we're fortunate that I can say that like Moxley will mm. go down as an AEW champion he'll go down with whatever I think he had the WWE title I'm trying to remember because this was around the time they split it. I think he had the WWE title, not the Universal one. But he'll go down as a world champion a couple of times over, Moxley, whether you mm. think that he, he should or not. Like like you say, I don't think he needs it for the type of character he plays. But he he's still got those accolades, which is not something yeah. you can say about Jake, shockingly. No. Unbelievably, no, actually. Definitely a travesty, I think, in the business. Really is. Really is. So do you want to finish our night, Carl? Do you want to finish our night with number 10? I do. So number... I want to see whether my mine is flipped. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Number 10. It doesn't really matter because I'm doing 10. So I could do any. But, do a you know, seven. Go on, do a seven, Carl. It's not as easy as it looks. No. <laughs> ah, yeah. Um, but actually, number 10. Um, so this guy, a friend of the show. You may have friend seen, you may have seen we posted something um, a couple of weeks ago on our Instagram um, about this particular fella. And that fella is Christopher Daniels. Yep. So... He's the only guy, as far as I'm aware, to have ever wrestled for every major wrestling promotion. So he's been in... Yeah, I think that's He's been fair. in WWE, he's been in WCW, he's been in TNA, 
He's been in all the Japan like ones. He's been in fucking um, AEW as he is now. He's everywhere. Everywhere there's and been a, a big on top of been. that, Carl. This is a man whose nickname, or one of his many nicknames, is the King of the Indies. Well, there you go. So that's how prominent <laughs> he is in the likes of Ring of Honor and and various yeah, other indie promotions. Of course, yeah, Ring of Honor, for example. I think he's even in like C, uh, CZW and everything. Like mm-hmm. this guy has been everywhere, right? But you know what he hasn't done? He's never won a world title. See, fucking travesty, that. Absolute travesty. If like, if you look at the fucking like how good of a performer he is, this guy in the ring, like this guy was doing fucking Canadian destroyers and everything way before people knew what they were. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. him and Petey Williams back in the X Division and TNA, like fucking 10, 15 years ago, probably even longer. We're just tearing the shit up. Do you know what I mean? This guy is a phenomenal um, athlete, a phenomenal performer. And couldn't agree more. And th- like for anyone who's only seen him in AEW at the minute, go back and watch some of his TNA work. Go watch some of his Ring of Honor work because like he's kind of playing the the almost the veteran role in AEW. He's still a good performer, but he you know you, if you want a proper example of what he's like, you know you need to have a look at some of the some of the other work he's done. Yeah, that's like, no discredit the, to AEW. The X Division matches and stuff that he's done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean like he like the stuff he's done in TNA, the stuff he's done in Ring of Honor. Like that guy was a fucking ledge, um, and he still is. It's just he's now, as 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 you've said there, Anthony, he's he's now kind of in that mentor role where he's putting other people over, and you know people like um, Scorpio Sky and things like that. I think um, prominence. And I think it's probably by his own choice, but you can clearly see that the the idea is to is to get Scorpio Sky over with um with what's going on there. In all fairness, um, and uh, again, uh, fair play to them. They're trying to push younger talent, and um, that you know that's much credit to Kazarian as well. But um, you know, he is an absolute legend in the biz, and um, I do I want to see him have a, a really good AEW run, some sort of singles run there, because I don't think I think it gets the point across to the people who may have only seen AEW. Um, as to how good he actually is. That's it, and you know, like at the minute he's in SCU and he's kind of like a bit of a, you know, a jokey kind of character and stuff. But some of the work he did is like the Fallen Angel, for example. Like mm. even his even his promos were just like next level stuff. So oh yeah, yeah definitely. I think definitely that the Fallen Angel happen. is um that's the nickname that follows him as well, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, definitely. So mm. you know, I can't think of anyone really more kind of deserving of this because when you think about it, who else has has worked every major company? And not got a world title to show for it. Like how how underrated can you be? Like if you if you were to if you were to be asked that question, like who's worked every company and not one, you'd never even think of Christopher Daniels. And then once no. you know it's him, you're like, well, fucking hell, yeah, of course, because he's so underrated. That's the thing. I think um, to be honest, I think your social media post is is underrated in that sense because I don't think people have fully appreciate like how uh, informative that that post is because like mm. it is like uh, for, you know that's a great fact for a for a wrestling quiz. But like such a, a crazy fact, really, in that sense. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's up there with okay. the Jake Roberts thing. Like, what the fuck? How has that <laughs> never happened? Unreal. And the only other one I wanted to shoehorn in as a caveat, it's not an official one, only because I don't think he is underrated because okay. everyone knows he's the best. Number eleven, number ten and a half. Someone. <laughs> it wouldn't be me talking up um, anyone um, if I wasn't talking up Mr. Perfect because of it's course. still a travesty. He was never a world champion, and it's mental. But He's not on this list because I don't think he was underrated. I think it's well known that he should have been a world champion and everyone believes that to be true. Um, so I didn't want to put him on this list, but at the same fair, time... That's fair, but maybe this is another list. Maybe this is something we should do. People who bafflingly have never won a world championship. Yeah. 
because I think that'd be a great list. The, we, we've got a few candidates already. So um, mm. I think maybe it needs to be a list in its own right because we could probably list 10 who have never won that probably fucking should have. Yeah, definitely. And then 10 who did win and probably fucking shouldn't have. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the next two weeks, sort of, guys. You heard it here first. Indeed. So, um, sorry, yeah. So Mr. Perfect is, I can totally see why you brought him in. Um, not just because you love Mr. Perfect, but uh, for that fact alone, it's um, it deserves a mention. But, uh, we'll give him a half. He's ten and a half. Number ten and a half. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, Carl, that was our unique segment of the week. That was the top ten most underrated wrestlers. Anyone who is um, listening, I want to make it clear that these are ten at random. Like, I don't think I always struggle to rank them, so we don't at the moment. Like, I'm not saying. Like the number one underrated wrestler was Goldust. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, it's just ten people who we think are. Um, because to be honest, and you might disagree here, Carl, but you've you've utterly convinced me on um, Christopher Daniels. I think he'd be close to number one if that were mm-hmm. in a, in any sort of ranked system. So um, I just wanted to make that clear that these are just ten people who deserve that recognition rather than in in any sort of discernible order. Agreed. Awesome. 